Muscle Music presents a nervous system revolution for artists. Brought to you by Ruby Rose Fox. This podcast is for artists who struggle with their nervous systems. They might struggle from stage fright, depression, anxiety, perfectionism, so many things. Today, I want to talk to you about one of the most common nervous system bypasses there are. Sometimes I'm tempted to call it a nervous system pathology, but I think it's really important that we don't use uh, clinical psychological verbiage to describe something that's going wrong, because then I think it puts this work, this trauma-informed work, nervous system work that meets performance into the category of therapy. So I'm just going to call it a bypass. So what is the safe and social bypass? When a young person is growing up in a family system, and they have unreliable co-regulators for any reason, really. Maybe that parent is uh, neurodiverse, or uh, in my case, there was a death in the family, or um, they're just not emotionally evolved enough to handle uh, really basic human emotions. When a child has an unreliable co-regulator, there are two directions that that person, uh, that child can go in. Now, I want to say that this is through the Fox method lens, which is a theoretical uh, methodology which extends the polyvagal ladder. This really is super simple. It just means we're putting a super play state on top of the polyvagal ladder. So in polyvagal theory, there'd really be only one direction, which is going down into a fight or flight state or a freeze state to cope with the lack of co-regulators. But under the superplay method, this idea that superplay is the state of role play and pretend, a young person can actually go into superplay, go into fantasy and performing as a way to actually continue growing and experiencing safety so that they don't have developmental issues. Of course, this is not at all conscious. There's no child that's like, well, I'm in my room learning a thousand musicals because I want to keep learning and growing because mommy and daddy are not, (laughs) they're not uh, available. Um, So again, this is super unconscious what happens. So for these children that don't dysregulate and go into super play, something unique happens, which is that they, because that child's brain is so neuroplastic, you learn so quickly at that age that very often they develop very uh, advanced talents because they're just hyper-focused on whatever they're doing, whether it's piano or singing or writing or painting. And then what happens is that child who's somewhat isolated from their caregivers goes back to their caregivers to show them what they've done. And so often that caregiver finally gives them the attention that they need. 
It could be negative attention. It could be you're not good enough, or it could be super positive attention. It could be, oh my gosh, you're a little angel. You're an artist. Oh my gosh, I knew you were talented. And um, that connection, that feeling of being seen and loved and understood and appreciated and being made to feel special glues that artist to performing. It creates an immediate addiction to performing. And there's nothing super bad about this because that child is in an unsafe environment. And that is actually the best case scenario for them. And usually these these children go to theater camps and uh, they sort of excel in the band room or the theater room. And they develop even more and more and more of an identity as an artist. And they also can struggle to just do anything else in school. Nothing else often feels really exciting um, because it's just this one area of life that their brain goes, that's how I get safe. That's how I get attention. That's how I get love. So again, it keeps doubling, the, the mechanism keeps doubling down on their skill level. So then they really, truly become better and better and better at performing. So what can happen is that this, because this is a bypass of the safe and social state into the super play state, because the safe and social state is not safe for the child, the safe and social state becomes underdeveloped. And as an adult, this can really kick an artist in the pants because they don't have the social skills to stay in the safe and social state. And for an artist, things like finding management, finding connection, networking, building community, uh, these things are just as important as the art making, if not more. And they can just make an artist who has this safe and social bypass feel like they're dying every time they're forced into safe and social relationship around their art or even in life. Let's talk about what the safe and social state is. The safe and social state in polyvagal theory is the state of play, safety, and connection. Porges does not uh, talk about role play and pretend. Um, and the reason that I add the super play state is because there's a difference uh, between the two neurobiologically. My dog has a safe and social state. It's so clear when she is feeling safe and social. I can tell by her tail. I can tell by her ears. I can tell by her little snout and her face. But my dog cannot play Betty Davis. Being in flow, being in role play feels very different than being in the safe and social state. Now, I also want to say one more thing about the safe and social state that I think often goes wrong, which is that because people are looking at this polyvagal ladder from the perspective of being dysregulated and wanting to be regulated, there's this idea 
that the safe and social state is like enlightenment or something. It's this place that if you could just be in, your life would be totally better. There'd be no conflict. You just feel great all the time. And this couldn't be farther from the truth. So let me go up the ladder and tell you what each state is for. So the free state is to prolong a preservation state as long as possible for the survival of the animal. The fight or flight state is to prolong a kind of move mode for as long as possible so that animal can survive. The safe and social state is to prolong social connection through uh, the striated muscles of the face so that we can survive for as long as possible. So this safe and social state is not just going to be about happiness and bliss, although those things can totally happen there, but conflict happens there. There's irritation in the body in the safe and social state. There's um, competition can happen in the safe and social state. Uh, there's, There's feelings that the safe and social state encompasses that don't always feel like what we're talking about when we talk about the nervous system ladder. So just know that the safe and social state is kind of tough at some points. And that's why we run from it, like (laughs) run for the hills when we think about the safe and social state. And for many people, the safe and social state is absolutely the most dangerous. It feels the most dangerous in your body. Connection with another human feels way more unsafe than being in fight or flight. So now we have these artists who are essentially addicted to their art and uncomfortable, irritated, um, and can't endure really, uh, well, they can endure some time in the safe and social state, but they can't endure a lot of it. So I might as well get a little vulnerable and tell you about my story and how I discovered my own safe and social bypass. One, I actually started to feel it before, way before um, I knew about the polyvagal ladder. And then once I started asking some hard questions after my training, I started just things on the ladder didn't make sense for an artist. And once I sort of flirted with putting the super place state on the ladder based on the research of Mihai Csikszentmihalyi at University of Chicago, I saw my own pattern so clearly at that point. But I want to tell you about the story leading up to that point of why I knew this was in my body. I used to feel extremely excited in my body around anyone who thought that I was special, uh, would be famous, or thought I had an amazing voice. Um, So this is from teachers uh, to other, uh, to friends, uh, to industry professionals, to my acting teachers. And what I didn't see in terms of this dynamic is that that was stress in my body. And I also really struggled to find a lot of interest in anything but theater and music. 
I struggled in school, one, because I was dyslexic, but two, because I just didn't give a shit about anything that wasn't going to bring me that drug of connection. And it was only later when I really started to heal my nervous system that I started to realize that, first of all, I'm, I love other things too. I love uh, biology and neuroscience and uh, and psychology. And I love so many more things about this world than this narrow framework of just poetry and literature and music and, and theater. I was more than an arts person. And I just didn't know it because my nervous system was glued to this thing that I was addicted to. I also, you know, at the time when I was uh, performing in Boston, I had a band and basically everyone in my life was either hired by me or volunteering to work with me. And I had very, very few close friends that wasn't related to my industry or wasn't a part of what I was doing and what I was building. And I had a one-woman show at the Museum of Science, and it was just too much. I spent too much money, I spent too much energy, and I just ended up in freeze. And I couldn't get out of bed, and I really, for the first time, hard work couldn't get me going. And I realized that my safe and social system was extremely weak in that I literally felt like I had no one that I could call except my sister that was a truly vulnerable, safe and social person. And that is not the fault of my friends and my collaborators. That is the fault of a weak, safe and social system and an over-dominance in the superplay system. And it also explained why relationships were tough for me and that relationships always felt like they were getting in the way of my art um, or that a relationship would have to be overly embedded in my art. So once I saw the pattern fully, I could start the healing process, which was really messy and humbling because it meant what I needed to focus on was not to make more and more and more and more art. It was to make my life more safe. It meant that I needed to focus on my relationships. It meant I, I needed to focus on my finances. It meant I needed to focus on learning how to uh, negotiate, uh, with people without dysregulating. I needed to learn those skills that I think a lot of people learn in high school and maybe early college that I just bypassed because I was so busy in the super play state. So, um, that is a super hard pill to swallow for any artist who's hit a wall um, my super play bypass, uh, sorry, safe and social bypass. I, I hit a wall. So I really burnt out. My life felt like it was falling apart. And the more I talk to other artists that have this very specific bypass, 
the more and more and more I believe that it's one really common, but also that it's healable and it's solvable and that it's just something that is very much overlooked by therapists because I think a lot of therapists look at this super play state as this glorious thing that art could only be beautiful and art is always productive and art is always positive, like a positive life force thing. But for someone like us, it's not always positive. Sometimes it's a prison that we make and we can't get out of. And so one of the reasons I really wanted to start talking about it was not just for everybody with this safe and social bypass, but for therapists who need to know more about the nervous system patterns that happen in artists' bodies, and then how we might be able to heal those bypasses. So something, you know, one of the hardest things that I did to sort of heal some of this safe and social state was to start dating and get online and throw myself out there. And it just, it was so torturous in so many ways because being seen as a non-artist was just really vulnerable. And when I first made a dating profile, you know, every single photo was me singing because I just, I wanted people to know about my super play. (laughs) And what I realized is that I actually, what I really deeply wanted was someone to love me fundamentally for who I am. So my now fiance and I, uh, we didn't really even start working together or making art or making music for at least a year and a half into our relationship, because I really wanted to know that our relationship was based in the safe and social state and not in the super play state. Um, Of course, he doesn't have the bypass that I do. So I also have to take responsibility for my needs in terms of that as well. Also looking back, um, one of the one of the reasons that my parents were not available was because my sister had leukemia and was just, they they basically died when she died. They were not available co-regulators any longer. And, um, a lot, I, another kind of warning sign that I noticed was that grief was deeply embedded in my interest in acting. So if I played a role, and I picked a monologue, it was never comedic. It was always like about death. It was always about uh, really dark stuff. And I never really knew why I was so compulsively pulled to this material. And I really didn't even ask myself this question because it was too scary. Another thing that I felt in my body and my nervous system that I it was just way too scary to answer was that I knew that I was poaching my unhappy life for material, for (laughs) song lyrics. And that was also something that I felt ashamed of. And, but it was just kind of looming there. And I didn't have the support to really ask myself, well, why is that? And, And what is happening? And finally, one of the other things that kind of stood out as lingering Uh, signs of this safe and social bypass is I had a fear of being happy. And I think what my body was saying when I said that was, 
I have a fear of the safe and social state. I have a fear of true connection, true happiness and connection. Um, I clearly didn't have a fear of performing and a fear of this super play state. So these kind of performers are not the ones that usually have crippling stage fright, although that can happen. These performers that have the safe and social bypass are often just ridiculously on from the outside seem very naturally talented and don't seem to have any issue with performing. But what can happen in, and I say this happens around 35, it can happen way before, it can happen after, is that it all eventually starts to crumble. This trauma pattern is every year it gets older and older in your body, kind of like a filling where you, at some point, it's going to have to be replaced. And very often an artist will just hit a wall where they often just don't want to do their craft anymore. And it often happens at the peak of what seems like, you know, the height of their career. They're doing quite well, usually because they're just so hyperproductive in their field, because that's the only state that they can really be in. And they hit a wall where they self-sabotage or they just can't do it anymore. Or they just, instead of being in super plays play, end up in freeze for the, for the first time and don't know how to get out. And unfortunately this crisis is necessary and having your life fall apart is also necessary to do the kind of deeper building that needs to happen to find a new nervous system arrangement in your body of safety, co-regulation, and connection. So the healing path that I would recommend for this is, uh, like I said before, not to make more art, but to focus on this realm of connection. And unfortunately, this does take a lot of time to build because we're talking about real relationships. We're talking about real connection, which takes trust and trust takes time. So if this is you, be patient with it. Um, And please know that it's a long journey and there's really no way to speed it up. It also doesn't mean that you have to quit your art form if that's, you know, or even take a break from your art form if that's what you want to do. Um, it's still okay to practice your art. It's just that your focus uh, goes back to the safe and social state because you're finally old enough to lead your body. While you may have had unreliable co-regulators, you can be a reliable source of love and connection to yourself and your body. And of course, you may need a coach or a therapist or a psychiatrist to lead you through, through the process of finding safety in your body again. And I would just ask, I, you know, when you're looking for a therapist or you're looking for someone to help you, I would say like, this is kind of what 
is happening to me. This is the model of what I see. Do you think that you have the tools to lead me through a process to strengthen the parts of me that need to be strengthened? One thing I just know is absolutely positively important to healing is a nervous system education. The ability to use new language to describe what is happening and how your nervous system is fluctuating from moment to moment is like having a new superpower. It's a way to come alive in your dexterity around shifting your nervous system, naming your nervous system, and learning to unshame your nervous system. So whether you study polyvagal theory just as polyvagal theory, or you want to do our certification program, or you want to kind of dabble by just getting on the Muscle Music app, I highly recommend that if you want to secure your the canvas of your art, which is your nervous system, that you invest in your nervous system education. And by nervous system education, I just want to be clear about what I'm saying. This is not just taking an online course and learning stuff in your head. It requires embodiment. It requires you to um, feel and integrate what you know into your nervous system over time. So while my program is six weeks, I always say that the work cycles and goes, goes longer and deepens over time. I'm still deepening in my nervous system. I'm still just in awe of how it functions and uh, the intelligence of it. And so just know that this isn't going to be like a quick uh, and dirty process of learning something. It is, you learn it, you integrate it, and it matures and it grows um, and it shows payoff. Uh, it shows a uh, reward in terms of your happiness, your uh, feeling of security on this planet, um, and your self-love. So thank you for listening to this uh, short podcast on the safe and social bypass. I hope that it was enlightening for you. Um, we're going to talk about other kinds of bypasses on this podcast, but we're going to start with this one because it's one of the most common for artists. So if you have felt this way, get uh, come on my Instagram and just say hello. And um, I always love to hear people's stories because they always add so much to the nervous system picture. And of course, knowing more artists are in this with me helps me advocate for getting this safety work into universities and vocal studios and of course individuals too. Uh, This is Ruby Rose Fox. Thank you so much for listening and I'll see you next time.